0: That's MyFlexLearning.com forward slash B-E. Welcome in, listeners. You are listening once again to the Authority Podcast on the B Podcast Network. I'm pleased to be joined today by Don St. John, PhD. Don is a psychotherapist. He's been immersed in the somatic, psychological, relational, and spiritual worlds for more than 50 years, and his book just released a few months ago is Healing the Wounds of Childhood and Culture, An Adventure of a Lifetime. I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation for everyone here. We'll touch on some different subject matter that we don't always get into, but some things to think about for ourselves and for the kids that we work with. A lot of good things to understand here. So Don, welcome to The Authority.
1: Thank you, Ross. It's uh, great being here. So let's start right here
0: with the part of the the title of the book is An Adventure of a Lifetime. So let's kick it off right there. Why is Healing the Wounds of Childhood an Adventure of a Lifetime?
1: Well, the reason I called it an Adventure of a Lifetime is that dedicating oneself to healing and healing means to become whole. I'm not talking about simply curing symptoms, but reclaiming those aspects of self that get lost or suppressed or submerged, either through family dynamics or cultural prohibitions and injunctions. And the, the more we continue along the journey, the more goodies we discover, like a fuller, richer, freer mm-hmm. sense of self, like the capacity to really connect with the people we love in a very deep and transparent way. These are rewards that can continue to be uh, discovered. And an adventure typically has surprises it has challenges unexpected weather so many different things that it it parallels really well to to an adventure
0: right right yeah and i i like um the use of the word adventure specifically here because not only of course we have the the lifetime part where um, that will you know be familiar to a lot of people to understand that uh, it's really an, an endless you know journey that you're continuing to improve to get better to reflect to heal and to keep moving forward and that it's it's a lifelong thing but the adventure word you know the fact that there's a lot of optimism and opportunity and still challenges and unforeseen and I think it relates to one of the other ideas that you have in the book about, we are the authors of our own lives. And you contextualize that very clearly to say, look, I'm not saying this in a, a Pollyanna-ish way. I'm not dismissing or overlooking the fact that we have challenges. We have things that make life difficult for us. We we have things that we are overcoming, right? But however, it's about determining one realistically, that we each do have these opportunities to make decisions and choices and to create the lives that we want to create. And also that that's the helpful and productive way of looking at it. If we spend all of our time being consumed by all of these other factors that we can't control, it, there's nothing that can be done about that, right? But this no. this idea of authorship, I would love for you to talk about that. In my work, I've collaborated directly with hundreds of educators to support their success. Do you know which of their ed tech frustrations comes up time and again? The sheer number of tools out there and the difficulty of knowing which ones schools like theirs are using to get results. iXL is different. Not only does it perform the functions of dozens of tools, It's currently delivering results for one in four U.S. students, including those in 95 of the top 100 districts. Another major pain point that comes up? When a school is excited to implement a new tool only to find out the teachers hate it. Yikes. It helps to know that IXL is loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, saving them time on prep work while enabling them to better support student learning. IXL is research proven to accelerate achievement. Studies across 45 states show that IXL schools outperform non IXL schools on state assessments. And independent research from Johns Hopkins University verifies that IXL meets ESSA Tier 1 standards. With those results combined with IXL's teacher friendly reputation, what more could you ask for? If you have a goal to increase achievement for all students, Make sure to find out what IXL can do for you. Visit iXL.com forward slash B E for a demo. That's IXL.com forward slash B E.
1: Well, it's a it's a very powerful perspective, and there's a lot of work that mm-hmm. typically needs to be done before an individual can arrive at that, because at first you encounter the the wounds. The the first step is, is to be honest about how you've been affected, how you've been hurt, how you've been wounded, how you've been limited, how your freedom has been shackled. And that's painful, but somewhere along the line, I realized that even though, I mean, horrendous things happened to me in, in my childhood, e- even in elementary school, the, the slaps across the face by the nuns back in the 50s, they were no joke, Roths, and, mm-hmm. and they happened, like, I didn't order them it wasn't right as if I walked in and said would you smack me around today because I think I'm going to be a bad kid they, they happen and what I made out of that was my doing mm-hmm. meaning meaning and this is very typical most kids will do the same they'll come to the conclusion that they're bad their fault the the nuns the parents we don't have the wherewithal at three four five years old to say hey these guys didn't get training in this job of being a parent you know just assume we deserve what we receive and to realize that and to realize that we're making meaning. One of, my, one of my heroes is a psychiatrist now deceased named Viktor Frankl. Mm-hmm. You may know of him. Yeah. He, he wrote that book, Man in Search of Meaning. And the most horrendous imaginable things happened to him yeah. in, in, in a concentration camp. And he came out of that with the whole system of psychotherapy, which says, whatever happens, we're the ones, we have the power to, to make meaning.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it, it really was standing out to me. It's something that I've been studying recently related to my coaching work. There's a, a coach who writes about a positive intelligence, a name, Shirzad Chamin, and he writes about the the saboteurs right, in our lives that, when inappropriately applied, they hold us back, and the the main one being the judge, and the they all develop in childhood, and in this case, it would develop as a as a survival mechanism. So it would be in, in the case where we're having, in a situation where we feel like our parents or other adults um, are incapable or, or our logical minds might go to they're incapable or they don't seem to love us or they are abusive or all those things that we would develop the understanding in ourselves, you know what, that's because I'm unworthy of love maybe serving a purpose at that time, because it's like, well, if I was open to the reality that it's just because these people that I'm relying on, because I'm four years old, and I obviously need to rely on my parents for my life. And the reality is that they're just not good people, or they're not prepared to be parents, or they have substance issues, whatever the case may be. Well, that would be terrifying, right? So it's less terrifying to think, well, there's just something wrong with me. But then when you become an adult, that no longer serves you. And if we don't learn to unpack that and understand what that is, and to diminish its power over us, then we're missing the opportunities to then start creating the new life and, and, and it's also relates to circumstances, right? And the things where we feel like, okay, we can draw the conclusion that our circumstances are out of our control. And that what it means is that we're destined to not be able to, to achieve what we want to achieve or be who we want to be, or we can understand, you know what, that That's not the reality. That's just what my mind is telling me. Exactly. Let me unpack that and and then I can move forward.
1: And if everyone could unpack that successfully, the psychotherapy profession would be out of business. <laughs> right. <that>. All right. <laughs> so I wanted
0: to, you know, before we move into the next section here, touch on one other thing that you you clearly with intentionality which is your use of the word wounds as opposed to traumas or other potential terms you could have used there and and it's going to come up a lot in our conversation so I feel like it's worth you kind of touching on that and articulating why you went with that word wounds
1: yeah first of all trauma does mean wounds so they are synonymous I chose wounds because trauma has been so has been used in so many different ways Mm -hmm. you know if, if if you're hit by a bus that that's a serious traumatic experience right and if the coffee machine isn't working at your office and you come home and say you had a traumatic day because you couldn't get that afternoon cup of coffee, you're using the same word to describe phenomena, phenomena that couldn't be any more different. Mm-hmm. So it's, it has a range. You, I could have used trauma, but I wanted to use something that didn't have so much charge on it as trauma and and confusion. If you go to the literature, you'll come across big T trauma, little t t trauma, developmental trauma, relational trauma, shock trauma. And these are all forms of trauma. Now, most of us have had trauma in our lives. Just using the word wounds because I thought it might be easier to accept, easier to recognize. You know, people will come into my office, Ross, and say, No, I didn't have any trauma in my childhood. You know, they're trying to understand why they haven't been successful in relationships or why their self esteem isn't where they think it should be. And they say, No, no trauma. And then I talked to them for 15 minutes and learned that their mother was depressed for two, two years after they were born. Uh, their father, of course, drank a lot. And when he drank and, and et cetera, et cetera, they describe situations and conditions that were terribly traumatic to a, to a very small child. Parents got divorced when I was four, meaning they were unhappy from the time I was born. Do you see what I mean?
0: Right, right. Yeah, and, and I think that's a helpful you know, way of looking at and being really precise and specific so that it gives that common language and, and understanding. And that's helpful as we uh, move into the next part of our discussion because I really want to relate a lot of this to the, to the different ways that our, our listeners in their professional lives are you know, grappling with these realities what it, as it relates to them personally in their own life and their own healing and also the fact that they are working with children who may be in the midst of a lot of this presently and I wanted to even actually go right to uh, part of what you write in the the introduction and the dedication of the book and I'll read how this is described (laughs) it is um, this book this is in in part there's a little more than this but uh, this book is dedicated to all of you who intuitively know that unquote being normal is so far from who you can truly be it's dedicated to all of you who know all of geez all of you who know you carry scars of early wounding who know your childhood was less than perfect and who, who may struggle with health relationship or well-being issues and also dedicated to all of you who want to understand fully how you may have been affected and how you can best heal grow and thrive so you know part of this that stands out to me is one I think it's a a reality that a lot of people who had overcome difficult childhoods or difficult circumstances at any point in their life, it doesn't have to necessarily been as a a kid, are drawn to go into helping professions, right? They they want to be a person who's in a position where they can serve others and say, oh, I want to make sure that I'm there for other kids or other adults who are Going through similar circumstances but then also when you're in that position that's where the unresolved challenges attack and where you say oh, it's so it's you're in the right place for the right reason but then you're also fighting against those things that are telling you that you're unworthy incapable that you can't overcome it and so it's a it's it's a real challenge and so if i think about an educator who would be in that position who would say, okay, there, there may be uh, educators who who got into the profession because of either they had a difficult experience in their schooling, right? For any number of reasons that has stuck with them or a difficult experience at home or whatever the case may be. And now they have students who they, can tell are going through similar and they are on the path where they're working on healing themselves and resolving uh, their own lasting wounds, but also figuring out how to be a resource for kids who they know, they know totally what they're grappling with, or they're at least they can kind of intuit that there's some challenges going on. What do you think about that dual role, right, where we are working on both healing ourselves, but also trying to be a source and a support and potentially a healer for others who are in the midst of
1: it. Well, well, Ross, if we're working on healing ourselves, then our wounds can be a source of empathy. Mm -hmm. It can facilitate our ability to, to understand and feel what those youngsters are going through. The, the danger is when we're denying, repressing, minimizing, rationalizing, all of that, our own wounds, mm-hmm. then it's challenging. Mm-hmm. Then it gets in the way of being a resource for the, for the child, for, for the client, if you're a counselor. So I, I, I think the attitude of we're all in this process together as, as an adult, as a therapist, I've had a lot more experience and, and understanding how to deal with how, what the source of those wounds are. And I, I can be more of a resource. But to pretend that I don't have any yeah that that dehumanizes me
0: mm-hmm. right. yeah, and that does happen right? and it it creates its own set of challenges and and often, you know certainly will lead to to opposite outcomes where if I'm in a position where I'm so committed to denying or hiding or repressing consciously or unconsciously, it may lead to me being even harder on somebody else who I think is, or who openly is going through similar, right? Because I'm then going to be more inclined to to either feel like, well, why can't they just hide it as well? Or if, if I can if i can put it away why can't this person and realistically it's i haven't really healed from it i'm just sort of <laughs> setting it aside for the moment but it's still right there driving that unproductive attitude
1: yeah and and it could easily e- elicit a lot of negativity within mm-hmm. me to see something in you that i haven't resolved or accepted or faced mm-hmm. in myself
0: And now a quick break for a word from our sponsor, MyFlex Learning. Let's talk about flex time in schools. The potential benefits to our students make it totally worth exploring. There's more time for personalized learning, increased choice and agency for students and the increased engagement that comes along with it, dedicated time for intervention, and overall as school leaders, it provides you and your faculty more tools to increase academic achievement. But the implementation and management of flex time can be a challenge. Tricky logistics and a lack of clear accountability systems can prevent teachers from buying in and can hold you back from ensuring students make good use of their time. That's why I'm pleased to share that MyFlex Learning provides a solution to these challenges and more. MyFlex Learning helps you create and manage flexible time for any purpose. And with the seamless SIS integration, a student locator, flexible daily rostering, and intuitive mobile app, it eliminates the common challenges of implementation and management. If you want to see for yourself, visit MyFlexLearning.com forward slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year of use. That's MyFlexLearning.com forward slash BE. You'll learn all about My Flex Learning, what it can do for your school, and you'll receive a $500 off offer for your first year. Check it out. I also wanted to ask in that regard, as we're hopefully are kind of committing to going on this adventure, right, and and healing the wounds and then understanding what is the kind of life we want to create, who do we want to be, you know, that you do take a, a I would call it a holistic view of being human, right, and there are various different things that are a part of it, but that they shouldn't be isolated one from another, and it's not the often materialistic definition that comes up as far as things we have or money or career or even, you know, what our family is and our relationships, right? They're all, they all can be important parts of it, but one or the other is not the defining factor. And realistically, if we think about each of them in isolation, we're kind of prone to fluctuations in self-worth I would say mm-hmm. versus being able to kind of understand the whole implicitly can you talk a little bit about what are some of these factors and then why do you think it's important that we take time to even just define what does it mean to be human and to understand that
1: the first thought that comes to mind with your question Ross is Learning to be authentic is one of the most important, and as educators, we can create an environment that supports authenticity. And that's—it's not easy. The advertising world has a lot of false authentic images that get projected on the screen and be your real self, drink the real Mm -hmm. Pepsi. But to to really be able to express what's true for us, our own Mm -hmm. deep experience, that's huge. The other that comes to mind is the, the quality of agency or responsibility or authorship for your life you know be coming to a place where you can feel that you have an effect on how your life goes that Mm -hmm. you're not simply a victim of circumstances regardless of what the circumstances were or are you have influenced. And developing that, that sense is huge. And especially in relationships. And this may apply a little more to women than to men, but, you know, really acquiring the belief, the inner sense that how it goes, that I have something to say about how it goes between us. Mm-hmm. that it's not just i get to react to your leadership but i get to participate in determining the outcomes right so those yeah. are the two first two that come you know right
0: and it really i mean it stands out even as you talk through that need to speak about the authenticity piece of you know, as adults, when we have an awareness of what that can mean, and we have a perspective now that we uh, didn't have as kids to think about the times when we were uncomfortable being in our own skin, so to speak, being our authentic selves, fully being who we are, whatever that may be, right? But part of it is just that normal part of adolescence where he's very self-conscious and you have yeah. the spotlight effect for you but but part of it is also that you know the, the world can be unwelcoming to authenticity if it doesn't fit within whatever prescribed parameters and that's a huge thing in schools it's a really big thing right now today and the opportunities Absolutely. that we have as adults to make it better for today's youth going forward to be more encouraging of the authenticity and supportive and understand that it's not it doesn't even always make it easy because there's always going to be something that's new to you right and it's something where okay i i haven't heard about this before but that we have to really that's why we have to be intentional about it and really commit to saying look i need to i need to really um, make this a priority for myself and for the people around me or else there's going to be these inhibitions and the more that we can't be authentic the more that we that's something that we're going to carry with us
1: yeah and you know often it's not easy because for one thing to be authentic is is to get into some very mixed feelings mm-hmm. that seem to be contradictory,
0: right, right, and that's, right, that, that's. I think that's why authenticity is so rarely practiced in public. You know, yeah, particularly. It certainly makes me think of something that I've reflected on a lot with politically. The the person who's authentic in communicating that, I haven't made up my mind about this thing yet. I'm still thinking about it, or I used to think this, and now. I have new information. And now I think that like, that's really frowned upon in favor of absolutes and knowing all the answers and that, you know, that really is harmful because if we're not continuing to learn and evolve and, and, you know, critique our own thinking and say, okay, this is what I believe. Do I still believe it based on what I know now? Is it the right thing? Okay, yes, it is. Okay, now I have a stronger belief in it. Or, you know what? I actually know more now and I realize that what I used to think is not exactly
1: right. And if you're a politician, it can even be dangerous to your career, change Mm -hmm. your mind. You're not supposed to evolve. You're not supposed to acquire new information, integrate it and come to a different conclusion
0: right yeah so the more that we can uh, i think promote authenticity uh, the better you know it'll teach us all to be thought more thoughtful and, and more you know understanding of one another and and i think along those lines you know you certainly mention a lot the idea of emotional intimacy and the, this is obviously related to relational it's in all in all kinds of relationships But it's something that is, would be, it's challenging to achieve if we are inhibited in our authenticity, right? And because it's a two-way relationship and we have to be able to to make ourselves available for intimacy and and have others that will do the same.
1: And that requires authenticity. Right. Possible to experience deep intimacy if you're identified with a persona that you can't let go of for the moment
0: right what are 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 there certain types of relationships that maybe would be not the ones that commonly come to mind when somebody thinks about intimacy you know they they typically would think a romantic relationship maybe they would think of a, a parent-child relationship but uh, you know there's a whole range of other types of relationships that can be intimate and, and emotional right and that unfortunately maybe aren't typically but that that they can be when we have an understanding of it
1: yeah friendships for example you know i i think it's a it's a way of being of valuing authenticity, valuing being transparent. And the more we can do that, even little encounters with the person checking out my groceries, there, there can be a moment of warmth, sincere warmth, or humor, or just a moment where we recognize each other's spark
0: yeah yeah what what are the consequences of living without emotional intimacy
1: well (laughs) the consequences Ross are vast because Mm. I, I think people starve for that without knowing what they're starving for it's as if a primary nutrient were not present in your diet you know and and you just don't know, you're not getting any vitamin C, none, you don't know it. What you're experiencing is, say, scurvy, the disease that comes from an absence of vitamin C. And then you do all kinds of things to try and deal with that without knowing what the root of that is. I think addictions, for example, are attempts to feel good when feeling a hunger almost desperate hunger for a quality of contact and that begins in infancy Mm -hmm. i mean that that the infant needs that quality of connection a presence from a parent who can attune to their needs and be there and share that spark in the eyes Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, the consequences I think are are broad and vast. I think chronic illness is a consequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, and then all and all of these uh, right social, right. emotional, and psychological factors have real uh, effects on uh, physical health and um, and the somatic state which uh, I think is also worth defining, you know, because somatic is really the terminology that you use in defining what you mean by that and what that relates to and how it compares and contrasts to the, the physical state, but how it relates to our becoming whole and to our overall wellness and e- how each of these things affect one another.
1: Yeah, uh, when I was young, when I first started out on this journey, I really couldn't feel much at all below my neck. I had so much tension in my neck Mm -hmm. and head. I mean, I almost died at birth. I had the cord wrapped around my neck. The physical punishment that I received was extreme and began in infancy. There was very little sense of connection to my body. So my sense of myself was based on fantasy, and this is extreme, and it occurs in a much less extreme form to many, many people Mm -hmm. as we are disconnected from our body. It's the feeling, when I use the term somatic, I'm referring to the feeling of the body from the inside, not not the body as it looks, not the body as a third person object, but as a first person subject. Mm -hmm. And if I can feel the strong muscles of my back, my shoulders, my thighs, my legs, that infuses my sense of self with A sense of power. Mm -hmm. If I can feel the tenderness in my belly, in my heart, it it brings a sense of an or an ability to be tender, receptive, vulnerable. So it's all there in Mm -hmm. in the configuration of the body, but it's from the inside that I'm referring to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So Don, we have this uh, adventure of a lifetime that we've been talking about. And uh, I'm wondering, as we're getting closer to the, the end of our conversation here, if you have a, a, any other messages to from, from the things that you've picked up along the adventure of a lifetime that you've been on so far to our listeners who are maybe they're starting to, to hear our conversation today and it's making them think you know what there are some things that i need to to dig into or or maybe they've been challenged by a lot of these same issues but they haven't really right had a had a framework for diving into them and thinking about okay how do i start you know, a couple of messages to them—any words of kind of wisdom, or hope, or optimism, or otherwise—to kind of help them start moving towards the next step in their journey.
1: You well, know, first, I think it's what we're here for. I think we're here to become fully human, and humanity isn't there yet. Obviously, mm-hmm. look at the state of the world—the threat of nuclear annihilation, the threat of climate change, the wars, the addictions, the pandemics, and on and on and on and on, we have not reached our full humanity. Let's each do our part and become as whole as we can, because one of the the markers of growth is more peace, more love, more understanding, and begin the journey. A good relationship is absolutely necessary. It can be a good relationship with your companion, with with your mate, your spouse, your partner. It can be a good relationship with a psychotherapist, but have one good relationship where you can share anything and everything because it's in that process of sharing and relating that we clarify who we are and what we want and what we value relationship is a fundamental reality we are not these isolated independent creatures You know, trying to see how many toys we can accumulate before we die. We are relational creatures. That's the fundamental unity. Second, connection, connection to your own body. Again, from the inside, uh, connection to your own depths, your own, Deep motivations, your own conflicts, your own desires, open the door. And, you know, if you're responsible, since many of your listeners, Ross, are educators, create an environment that values authenticity, that values agency, right? Values connection. Right, yeah, I think those
0: are a great takeaways. So, Don, we have one more question here, and since this is a podcast about books, are there any other one or two other books besides yours that you would recommend to our listeners? I actually will already put "Man's Search for Meaning" in there by Viktor Frankl, since we've already mentioned that earlier today. But anything else that could be related to similar subject matter as yours, or just anything else that you think would be really valuable for them to check
1: out? Yes, definitely, Gabor. Maté, M-A-T-E, The Myth of Normal. I mean, he covers all of this in a very beautiful way as well. Yeah, I'd, I'd highly recommend his book too. Read mine and his, and you'll have an understanding of the trauma deeper than you've ever had. And, and both are quite readable great
0: we'll, we'll list uh, the myth of normal and man's search meaning in the notes as well as healing the wounds of childhood and culture which you can find on don's website we have the link to that below so learn about the book there you can check it out buy it you can also find it in other places where you search for your books please do listeners, subscribe to the authority for more in-depth author interviews just like this one and visit thepodcast.network learn about all of our shows. Dr. Don St. John, thanks so much for being on your part.
1: Oh, it's been my pleasure, Ross. Thank you for having me.
0: This has been the Authority Podcast, hosted by Ross Romano, edited by Gage Sanderson. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments?